morning and welcome to the Gathering Church. My name is John Mark Redwine. I'm the lead pastor and it's so good to be with you here today. Uh, today is a great day to join us. If it's your first time joining us, I, I want to let you know who we are. We, we are a family of people that are fixated on taking a journey together. And that journey is very simply that we might be able to ourselves and lead others to know God, find freedom, discover our purpose, and make a difference. And that, that is our mission at the Gathering Church, and that is what we do. So I'm just so honored and so glad that you're with us here today. Uh, this is a special time for us at the Gathering because we are in the middle of 21 days of prayer. 21 days of prayer is a, a part of our annual rhythm as a church. We do it in January and again in August, and it, it is just a few weeks where we set everything aside, where we slow down the rhythm of the church a little bit, and we just dedicate ourselves to God. We, we just give ourselves over to Him in prayer. We commit to praying together. We commit to praying more often, to learning new ways to pray in this season. In January, it's so important. We do a season of prayer and fasting in January, right in the beginning of the year, as a way of, of dedicating our year to God, of, of setting ourselves aside for his purpose that year and, and declaring that we, we're going to trust him throughout every situation, every storm, every, everything that happens, we're going to pray first. And when uh, August rolls around, I think what tends to happen, at least what happens for me, is we need a re-up. We need a bit of a detox from the year so far. I think in January, we always have these good intentions for the way that our year is going to go, and we believe that we're going to trust God, and we're going to pray first in everything, and we're going to make prayer our first response, not our last resort, but then a lot of year and a lot of life happens between January and August, doesn't it? Isn't it amazing how much your life can change in the span of eight months? And I know that for me, it has been a hard year so far, and I need a good reminder that the king is still on the throne that Jesus gets the victory, that he is, he is the one that I depend on, he is the one that I rely on. I need a reminder that prayer is my first response, not my last resort. And so I just love this time of prayer. If, uh, if you're new to joining us, 21 days of prayer it very simply works like this. We commit together as a family to praying for 21 days straight over certain things, and uh, we come together to worship and pray on Sundays. And then Monday through Friday at 6.30 a.m., we have a, a prayer, an opening prayer moment that happens on live.gatherashville.org or Instagram live at gatherashville.org is our Instagram handle. And, and together we just, we open prayer and then we commit to praying together. Um, those stay on our website for 24 hours if, you're, if you are already working at 6.30 or, or whatever your situation may be. So you can join us at some point during prayer during the day. And then on Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. at Seacoast Asheville at 123 Sweeten Creek Road, we have an hour of worship and prayer together. And we just had our first one of those yesterday. It was such a powerful time. I just need to encourage you, if you've never been out for one of our prayer services, it is so special and it is so unique. And the way that the Spirit moves in those moments is palpable. Do not miss it. Do not let another 21 days of prayer go by where you didn't join us for those um, prayer services on Saturday morning. 
Well, we are uh, focused on an area of prayer this year in our August 21 days of prayer. We have a focus, and I believe that our area of prayer focus is an area where God is consistently focused. And what, what we're praying about uh, as a church and what, what we're leading you to pray over, what I'm praying over, is how God would use us more to reach the lost people in our city. I believe that our God is focused and fixated on finding things that are lost. That his scripture tells us over and over again how much he loves redemption and grace and how much he loves to share it with those who are in desperate need of it. And as a church, we believe that our city is our responsibility. And that outside these walls, there are so many people that are hurting and in pain and searching for purpose and searching for meat for freedom and who are trapped and who are in need of freedom and who are in desire of hope. And we have every single answer inside of us. And so it is our responsibility to carry it out. And so I'm encouraging you to join me in praying over your part in reaching our city in two different ways. First, we believe that the ministry of the church is not just to be done by the pastors and the staff but that we are all ministers, that when Paul wrote of us being the body of Christ united, that what he meant was together it is our responsibility to reach our city. You have a purpose, and you have a gift, and you have a way that only you can serve, and that he has called you and created you to serve. You have a holy assignment to do. And so if you haven't discovered your purpose and stepped onto the dream team to partner with us in reaching this city, I would encourage you that now is the time be asking God what your part is in that. Go to Growth Track and discover your purpose and ask God how He is calling you to serve. Maybe it's time to lead a life group. Maybe you've been a part of life groups and you've been you've been engaged in that and, and you've been blessed by it and they've helped you find freedom, but Maybe he's calling you now to step into it. I believe God is calling us to start 11 additional groups on top of the 10 that are already signed up so that we can see more people enter into a life-changing community where they can encounter Jesus and find freedom. Don't wait for somebody else to sign up. Take responsibility. Join in right now and be a part of what God is doing. Second, ask God how he can use you to expose the people in your life to Jesus. You have access to people I will never meet. You have access to networks every single day that I do not. We need to do this together. It, 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 is, it is our responsibility to share the hope that we have with the people that we encounter every single day. We have family members and friends who are in need. And so for the next four months, we are going to be leading message series that are designed to be easy for you to bring people to. That doesn't mean we're going to stay in the shallow end of the pool. It doesn't mean that if you're already a believer, you won't be, you, the Holy Spirit won't reveal new truth to you and help you learn and grow over the next four months. But what it does mean is that we are going to be intentional about creating environments that are easy for you to bring people to. We want to partner together to change this city with the life-changing message of the gospel. Let's do this, and let's ask God in this 21 days of prayer season what our part should be. Well, right now we're in a, a series called Book of Prayers. Here's the idea. We want to make it easier for you to pray. I think so many of us understand the need for prayer and the role of prayer in our lives. I believe that many of us believe that prayer can change everything and that God can, can hear our prayers, but we just don't know how to pray. 
Next week, I'll even share about a prayer that Jesus taught because his disciples came to him who had grown up in school as young Jewish boys learning all of these recited prayers, and yet they came to him and said, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray. I just think so many of us just need more resources around how we can pray. So we just want to help you with that. We're studying a few specific prayers from the Bible in this teaching series, and we're just talking about how to pray them very simply. Last week, we talked about the tabernacle prayer, which is a, a prayer that basically studies the way the priest would move through the tabernacle in the Old Testament, and we learned a structure of prayer around that. And I hope that it blesses you the way that it has blessed me. I pray that prayer at least three times every week, and it just blesses me so much. And speaking of blessing, our prayer today comes out of a small uh, passage of Scripture in First Chronicles uh, that took the Christian world by storm in the year 2000. Today we're going to talk about the prayer of Jabez. If you grew up in the church like I did, then you remember in the year 2000, the prayer of Jabez was everywhere. It was all the rage. A pastor named Bruce Wilkinson wrote a very short book that was all about the prayer of Jabez and asking God for blessing. And we were all just looking for that blessing in the year 2000. The millennium is here. Let's get the blessings of the new millennium. I remember there was even a Mercy Me song called Bless Me Indeed, all about this uh, passage. And so if you didn't grow up in the church, which is most of us, I think, here, then uh, you didn't miss out. I'm going to teach it on it today. And don't go looking for that Mercy Me song later. You'll thank me because of its absence. It was bad. And if you loved it, I love it too. Don't worry. <laughs> and so the prayer of Jabez is a small, is just a, a blurb in First Chronicles. Now, if you are, are, um, are operating on a Bible reading plan, what I do is I use a Bible reading plan to help me read Scripture every day. And I do one called The Bible in a Year that does some Old Testament and some New Testament, a Psalm and a Proverb every day. And right now, as a matter of fact, if you're using the Bible in one year, then right now you're in Chronicles. And Chronicles is a tough book of the Bible to find yourself in because it is a lot of names in a long list that I cannot pronounce, and I went to school for it. And so I'm just telling you, it can be a challenge to study some of these Old Testament books. There's some great narrative in Chronicles, but there's also this list of about 600 names. And it goes on almost nonstop. And in chapter 4, we're kind of in the middle of this list of 600 names that so-and-so begat so-and-so, begat so-and-so, begat so-and-so. And you're just like, hmm, um, yes, praise God that they got they're fruitful and multiplied. This is great. And so, and you're getting through it, and then there's this interruption right in the middle that just kind of stops. And it's like the writer got to Jabez, and he thinks, oh, man, i got to tell him something about Jabez. we got to stop for a minute so that we can talk about Jabez. There must be some significance to this man if the writer is making this choice to stop in this long genealogy to highlight his life. First Chronicles 4, verses 9 and 10, it says, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother had named him Jabez, which means saying, I give birth to him in pain. Now, Jabez is the southern pastor way of pronouncing his name. The Hebrew way is Yabetz. And Yabetz is the word for pain. For pain. It is the literal word that means distress or pain. Can you imagine what it was like to grow up with this name? Can you imagine naming your child 
Jabez, pain. Yeah, that's my kids over here. That's Sally right there. She's good. And that's John. And then over there, that's pain. And then that's Bill down there. You know what I mean? Can, can you imagine what it was like to grow up with a name? This is not a common name. Most people don't name their children pain. Can you imagine what it was like for him to go to school and to have friends and, and to be called on by people? And everywhere that he went, he was known by pain. Pain, come here. Pain, I've got a question for you. Pain, go to your room. Pain. He had this label. And you know, I think sometimes we get this label or this name upon ourselves that can really write a script for our life, can it? It's so easy, I think, to let a name write a script for who we become. It would have been so easy for Jabez to let that. I wonder how many of us here today have a name on our hearts that is writing a script for our life. Maybe it's addiction. Maybe it's divorce. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's anger. And you have this name that you've assigned yourself, this pain inside of you, and you are allowing it to dictate the lens through which you see the world. And Jabez could have done that, but instead, Scripture says he was honorable, even more so than his brothers. Even though his name was pain, this is how his prayer went. It says, Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory and let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. It's this short, small, simple prayer that does not offer one moment of blame. He doesn't sit and dwell in this pain. He asks for freedom from it. But it doesn't, it doesn't just dwell in the pain that it's caused him, in the story that it's written from him. He presents to God a simple request that I want to break down a little bit for us this morning. Here's the deal with this prayer. The, 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 the reason it was so popular in the year 2000 when this book was written was because I think we all desire blessing. I think it's safe to say that there's nobody who would deny blessing when it comes to us. We want blessing. We want to ask God for blessing. We want to believe that God wants to give us blessing, but there's so much uncertainty around it. What kind of blessing does God really give? Is it prosperity gospel or is it not? What, what kind of blessing is it okay for us to ask for? If we're going to ask for blessing, how do we ask for it? There's just so much uncertainty. We don't know. If you've got kids, there's always this moment where they want something, you know? And they kind of come up behind you and you can just feel their presence. And you turn around and you look at them and they're acting weird, right? There's something is not right in their behavior and in their hearts. And as a parent, you know right away, they want something from me. And I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm willing to admit that for me, the yes or no entirely depends on what happens next. The way that they respond, the way that they approach, the way that they ask. And I just think that our posture and what we ask for and how we ask when we approach God with blessing on mind really matters. And this prayer is not a magic spell. It's not an incantation that you can repeat over and over again, and all of a sudden all of these blessings will start to drop on your life in the form of Ferraris and Lamborghinis and season passes to the movies. I don't care for football. And all of these things that we want and desire. I think that it's important to know what we're asking for. And so let me break it down a little bit for you. So first, if, if you start to pray the prayer of Jabez, first you ask for breath, blessing. Pray for blessing. 
pray for blessing because I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that God wants to bless us. I believe he wants to bless you. I believe that he has dreams in mind for you, that his word tells us over and over again. It says you have not because you ask not, that he has a storehouse of blessings waiting for us, that he's just waiting for us to ask for it, that he, he loves to bless us just like a father loves to bless their children. Our father in heaven loves to bless us. In Matthew 7, chapter 7, verse 9 through 12, Jesus says, which of you... If your son asks for bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, would give him a snake? I know some dads that would do that. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to the ones who ask him? He wants us to ask him for blessing. I believe that. However, I believe that the how and the what matters. I don't think this means pray for a Ferrari and then go wait in the parking lot diligently until you see one pull up. I believe blessing in the Old Testament refers to favor, to something that you could not acquire for yourself. Blessing was a tradition from one generation to the next. One of the things that a father would give to his firstborn son was his blessing. He would pass the favor of God that had been on him down to his son. It was a favor it was having the Spirit of God do something in you that you couldn't do on your own. It's God adding his Spirit and his favor to your life to elevate you to the place that he dreamed you could be. Psalm 18.5, the psalmist prays, You give me your shield of victory and your right hand sustains me. And you stoop down to make me great. See, I think we ask God for blessing, not to have more money, but to have more of whatever he wants to give us. You've you got to know that it's crazy that I'm a pastor. You've just got to know this. It is crazy that I'm a pastor. It does not add up. You see, my whole life, I've been a troublemaker and a slacker. In fact, uh, I had a, a weird moment this morning where, when Robert was talking to the band about something and he said, and then we're going to have John Mark come up for the message. And I heard my name and then come up for the message. And I thought, that doesn't sound right. The normal inflection in which I hear my name is more, isn't John Mark in the message. It's more like John Mark. Like that's the way I'm used to hearing my name called. That's the name that I, I'm just, I just, I, I, I often respond to, John, Mark, what? What was it this time? You got to know I've been a troublemaker my whole life that when I was in grade school, that whenever the teacher would leave the classroom, that the first word on their lips when they would return was, John, Mark, quiet down, cut it out. Why are you leading an insurrection in this place? When I was in boot camp, I was a real mess. I was in the Coast Guard for about nine years, and I went to boot camp, and man, was I a troublemaker. It's just, it's just my spirit, man. I just love to get people riled up. I was, uh, I was late to watch one night, which, which they made us wake up in the middle of the night to go do like a walk around with a flashlight. It was just to teach us about sleep deprivation, and I overslept one time, slept right through it, and I got in trouble. The next morning, I'm standing there in the office of the company commander, and he said, he said, listen, we're going to have to punish you for this. You can't let your shipmates down. You got to do better. And I just said, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, sir, respectfully, can we chill on this a little bit? Because let's be honest, I probably needed the sleep, okay? I've been very tired lately. You guys are really wearing me out. 
His face turned purple. He told me to go grab my stuff and take it to the next room over where they were one week behind us in boot camp. And I had to stay in boot camp for a whole extra week, which is an eternity in boot camp days. A few months later, I was in my, my uh, specialist school, and I, I was on week 10 of a 10-week school, and the guy came and grabbed me and pulled me in his office and said, Redwine, we found Triscuit crackers in your room. You know you're not allowed to have food in your rooms. You broke the rules. What was going through your mind when you were eating those Triscuit crackers in your room? And I looked at him with a straight face, and I said, Chief, I was thinking, mmm, these are some delicious Triscuit crackers. And his face turned purple, and he sent me back to week one of the school. Uh, I, was, I was in my, 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 uh, my first unit having a great time and just, just really causing trouble and slacking off anywhere I could. And I got called into the captain's office one day, and he offered me something called an inability to adjust discharge, which means we'll make this just disappear It'll be like you were never here. We'll all just forget about it and go on with our lives. It does not make sense that I'm a pastor. I knew that I was a troublemaker. It was the identity that I had settled into. It was what I was comfortable with. I never expected to go anywhere in life. I never expected to be anybody in life. I never expected God to use me. And when I gave my life to him, I remember praying a prayer. I remember where I was the second that I did it. And I just said, God, rescue me. I give everything that I have to you, every moment, every breath, everything. And God, I just ask for your blessing. I want to do more with my life. I want you to use me however you want to use me. And now here, he stooped down to make me great. Even me, that he would put blessing on my life and favor on my life, and supernatural favor on my life. He would call me to start a church from scratch. If, if it's your first Sunday, maybe you don't know. We started this church, which is crazy to start a church in Asheville, North Carolina. What were, it, it wasn't me. I'm a troublemaker who did not have a future. But God says, I want to give you blessing because you ask for blessing. Blessing just doesn't look like riches and wealth and money. Blessing looks like God giving you something that you could not get on your own and stooping down to make you something that you never thought you could be. I'm a living proof of that. And he wants to bless you in the same way. We ask him for blessing. We ask him for blessing. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. And in chapter 2, it says, what we've received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so we may understand what God has freely given us. He wants to offer you blessing. He wants to use you in ways that everybody else has said you cannot be used. That's what blessing is. Second, we pray for influence. So bless me. It says in some translations, bless me indeed, which means bless me, bless me, bless me, God. And then open wide my horizons, enlarge my territory. This basically means God, give me more influence. Pray for influence. Enlarge my territory. Give me influence. Trust me with more. God wants to give you influence. Influence that you can use to honor him and to move people closer to him. I think we all have a responsibility to lead people to know God, not just to know about God, not just to hear that God exists or, or to maybe believe in a God somewhere, but to know him personally, to enter into relationship with him and then to find freedom 
and then to discover their purpose and for people to start to use that purpose to make a difference. That I believe that God's design for us is to walk ourselves down that path and then find as many people as we can to walk down that path with us. That's what we're here for. And in order to accomplish that, he wants to give us influence. Influence. In in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, Paul's praying for the people. And he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. That in other words, that all the things that are clouding up your heart, that are keeping you from seeing the reason that you're on this earth, that, that, that would just, that you would find freedom from that. That, you would, that your eyes would be opened so that you could see the hope to which he has called you. The purpose he created you for. Your purpose and hope are connected forever. Your purpose was designed to give you hope and to bring hope to the world around you. And when you start to live in that purpose, that you might know the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. I believe God wants us to have influence because there are some riches available to us with that influence. But you need to know that the riches he's talking about aren't money, that that gold isn't riches to God. In the kingdom of heaven, gold is the asphalt. It says they pave the streets with gold. No, to God, riches are people. I can prove it to you. His inheritance is the nations. In Psalm 2.8, ask me, ask me, ask me. And I will make the nations your inheritance and the ends of the earth your possession. God wants you to have influence because he wants to bless people through you. He wants to lead people to find freedom because of the way that he's led you to find freedom. He wants you. There's a passage in Isaiah 61 where Jesus, he reads it when in Luke chapter four, Jesus is at his home church and he stands up to read from a scroll and he reads from Isaiah 61 and says, I fulfill this before you today. And in that passage, it says that I, he says, I have come to proclaim the good news to the nations, that I have come to rebuild the things that are long devastated, to bring joy to those who mourn, to set the captives free. And I have come to do so, so that those people would be established as oaks of righteousness, so that they would rebuild the ancient ruins. It's this long passage, basically where Jesus says, I'm coming to restore you and to help you find freedom and to redeem you, and to free you when you are a prisoner, so that you can be a symbol of strength and influence in your community, so that I can use you to start to rebuild the ancient ruins, so that I can use you to find others who were just as trapped in their sin as you used to be in yours, and I can use you to bring them to freedom. He wants to give you influence so that you can change the world around you. Ask him, and he loves to answer that prayer, but there is a caveat. Because the enemy has a plan for your influence as well. You see, the devil loves, loves, loves to give us influence. Because he knows that our natural tendency is to use us to honor ourselves. He even took Jesus in in this story in Matthew chapter 4 where Jesus is in the wilderness being tempted by the devil before he stepped into ministry. And he takes Jesus up to this high mountain and he shows him this, it's like the Lion King, everything that the light touches moment. And the devil says, if you'll just bow down before me, I'll give you influence over everything that you can see. And this is Jesus. He already has all the influence in the world. Jesus responds in Matthew 4.10. No, worship, the Bible, his word says, 
Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And he resists the devil. And that's what we have to do as well because the enemy wants us to have influence and blessings so that we can make our name great, so that we can, he wants us to enlarge our territory so that we can build a bigger fence around it and say, look at all that is mine. God wants to give us influence so that we can bring people in. He wants to give us influence so that we can start finding people who are in need of hope and offering it to them. Bless me indeed and open wide my horizons. Bless me and enlarge my territory. God, bless me with all the blessings you have stored up with me so that I can pour blessing out on those around me and give me more and more influence in this life so that I can use that influence to bring people closer to you. And then, and then once we've prayed for those things, pray for presence. Pray for presence. Let your hand be with me. If God answers the first two parts of this prayer and gives you blessing and influence, you're going to need the second two parts of this prayer, which are the presence of God and the protection of God. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm, because there will be an enemy who comes up against you. Bless me and let me have your presence with me. I, I think sometimes we don't understand how much we need the presence of God. There's a promise made to the people, the Hebrew people, the people that God chose to reveal himself to the world through. There in Genesis, in the beginning of the story between God and man, God makes this promise to give them influence and blessing. And I will make you a blessing to all the nations. Several hundred years later, a man named Moses is leading the people of God out of slavery in Egypt and into this promised land, this blessing, this inheritance that they were meant to have. And this is a hundreds of years blessing in the making. And they're getting close to the promised land. God, God stalled them because they weren't ready yet. And they've been wandering around in the desert. And God has, has threatened Moses, not threatened, but warned Moses, hey, I'm going to lead you and your people up to the promised land. And then I'm going to let you enter into it without me. And Moses is praying. He's with God face to face like one speaks to a friend in the tent of meeting like we talked about last week. And it says in Exodus chapter 33 verses 15 through 17, his prayer was, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. I don't want to enter into your promises without you. I'm asking for blessing, but what I understand is that your blessings are empty that, that every blessing, that every good thing is empty if it is not indwelled with your presence, God. We all have this feeling inside of us, this need, this drive, this desire that fuels so much of the pursuits of humanity. It's the reason we pursue riches and money. It's the reason people want position and prominence. It's the reason we, we, we just try to find ourselves in relationships with other people and we we just do all of these things to try to fill this void. And that is your need for the presence of God. It's this thing that exists inside of you that can only be completed by him. And all the blessings in the world, all the favor that you could ever have, if you just had everything go your way for the rest of your life, but the presence of God did not go with you, it would be empty, it would be meaningless. Moses says, if your presence does not go with us, do not Send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and your people if you don't go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, 
I will do the very thing that you have asked. And then Moses says, that's not enough, God. I want to experience you. I want to see you. Show me your glory. And God says, meet me right back here tomorrow, and we'll do it. You see, he loves to answer our prayers when we are asking for the things he wants to give us. He wants you to experience his presence. He wants you to feel him, to know him, to see him, to be intimate with him, to be closer to him. He wants to bless you and he wants to give you influence and he wants you to experience his presence. And then finally, we pray for protection. Jabez prays, keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. Finally asks for freedom from this name that has labeled him his whole life. Keep me from harm. God, protect me. Protect me because if I'm going to gain blessing and influence, then I will also face opposition. And the opposer will seek to harm me. And he will cause me pain. And he will use me to cause pain in others. You need to know that there is an opposer. That there's an enemy who will attack you. And he will attack you more the more blessing you have in your life and the more influence that you gain. I can always tell when our church is heading towards a season of growth. Because me and my family and our staff members and their families and our leaders and their families will face spiritual opposition. The enemy will come up against us in ways we never dreamed of. There will be attacks that we didn't know we would have to face. Peter tries to warn us in 1 Peter 5.8 that the devil is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Lions prowl searching for weakness. And the enemy just looks for our weaknesses, and that's where he brings his attack. But there is good news. Our God is greater, and our God is stronger, and our God gets the victory, and the end has already been written. The devil knows he's lost. The battle's over. Victory's been won. Jesus has already taken the keys to death when he went to the cross and went in the grave and came back to life again. You need to know that all authority on heaven and on the earth and under the earth belongs to Jesus, that he can protect you, that he can keep the enemy's hands from you, that he can send his armies to surround you, that even though when you are blessed and when you gain influence and when his presence is with you, our enemy will come at you with everything he's got. He will try harder and harder. He will try to stop you. He will try to slow you down. He will try to blind you by your position. He will try to show you all that you can gain on your own ground. He will try to make you feel like you've done it by yourself. He will try to make you feel like it's not worth moving forward anymore, like you've already lost, like it's too late, like the battle's too big. There's a story in Kings, 2 Kings, where Elisha, the prophet of God, is standing with a servant, and an enemy army is approaching, and the army is vast, and it's big, and they've got chariots, and they've got every technology available to them, and there's no way that these two men are going to be able to stand against it, and the servant is afraid, and he says, I know I've got the prophet of God with me, but there's no way we can beat that. And maybe you've been there. Maybe you've experienced some blessing in your life, but then you've seen the opposition coming and you said, there's just no way. That addiction is too great. I can't overcome it. That depression is too strong. I'll never walk out of it. My anger within me is too big. I can't, I can't beat it. My father was angry. His father was angry. I can't get free of this. I, I can't get past. I've lost, I've lost everything up to this moment. How can I walk out of this season in blessing? How could God ever use me? How could he ever rename me and tell me that I am his own? 
But Elisha looks at the servant. And I like to imagine he smiles a little bit. And he says, God, open his eyes so he can see what I can see. And in just a moment, the servant's eyes are opened. And all of a sudden, he's overwhelmed with the sight of the armies of God. He realizes that they're surrounded by chariots of fire, that there are 10 times more of them than there are of those who oppose them, that there is no way that they can get through this without the victory because the one who comes to defend them is so much more mighty and so much more powerful than the one who would come to oppose them, that it doesn't matter what he throws at you. It doesn't matter who he tells you you are. It doesn't matter who you've started to believe you are. You have armies to surround you that are far greater, that are far stronger, that can defend you from every single attack of the liar that is the devil. And so I need you to pray for protection because I believe God loves to answer that prayer, that he loves to come to your rescue. He comes to free you. He comes to protect you. I pray for protection on a regular, every single day. I pray for protection. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God and resist the devil and he will free from you. God, strengthen me in these attacks. Protect me from them. In our, in our prayer books, in the Pray First books, and if you didn't get one today, they're available at our information center. Please take them. They are our resource to you. It walks through every prayer that we've taught in this series and will teach. It's got every resource you need. We want you to, to feel, feel like you know how to pray let us give you these books. And anyways, in page 47 and 48, there's some spiritual warfare prayers. Now, sometimes we gotta go to battle. And there's one, that one there on 47 and 48, it's the protection prayer. And I pray it almost every day. And I'm not gonna read it, but the gist of it is, God, protect me from the one who would come against me, Lord. God, I offer up my family before you. Protect my family, my children, God. Protect my daughter from the spirit of this world who would tell them that their value is less than what you have said it is, God. Protect my wife and my marriage from the enemy who would come between us, who would divide us, who would distract us, who would try to prevent us from being united in our pursuit of you, God. Father, I ask for, for protection over my heart, Lord, that you would take. We bind up the spirits of low self-esteem. We bind up the spirit of doubt. We bind up the spirits that would come between us, God, and we let loose your spirit, Father, a spirit of freedom and a spirit of victory. We let loose a spirit of confidence and calling in my life, God. I ask that you would protect me, Lord. And you just, you just go to war, and you got all the armies of God to back you up. I just, I just believe this prayer can change your life. That if you just start asking him to bless you with however he wants to bless you, He's going to bless you. That if you start asking him for influence, that he's going to open your eyes to see. And he's going to start to give you hope and influence over people so you can move them closer to him. That when you start to ask his presence into your life, you're going to feel it. You're going to know he's with you. You're going to know he's there. And when you pray for protection, he loves to defend his children. That's it. That's the prayer of Jabez. You can pray it in 20 seconds or 20 minutes. God, bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and protect me from harm. In Jesus' name, amen. Or God, I ask you for blessing today. Blessing in my spirit, Lord. Fill me with joy so that I can pour that joy onto others. Fill me with wisdom so that I can share that wisdom with others. 
bless me in my home so that I can make my home a blessing to my family and to the people in our community. God, I ask you to increase my influence. Give me greater purpose. Stoop down to make me great, Lord, so that I can use my influence to influence people closer to you. That I might use the influence you give me to convince people that there is more for them. That you desire a relationship with them. That they can be free. God, give me greater influence so I can use my gifts to share your message with more people. God, let your hand be with me. I need your presence. I need your presence. I need your presence, God. I want to feel you. I want more of you. Let your spirit's power well within me, Father. I can't do this without you. I can't move forward without you. I can't use my gifts without you. I don't want influence that is without you. Your spirit gives me the ability to use my gifts so much more effectively. So send me your presence today, God, and protect me from my enemy. Protect, I ask for protection. Lord, we, in Jesus' name, protect me from those that would attack me, that would oppose me. Protect me, Father. Give me sight to see my blind spots. Put people in my life who will keep me accountable. Protect me from the attacks of my enemy. Use me however you see fit. In Jesus' name, amen. Just that simple. It's just a prayer that if we can learn to pray it, it's just how we ask a good father for the gifts he already has for us. I like to keep a gift in my center console. Always stupid stuff. Sometimes it's candy. Sometimes it's like a dollar stuffed toy. And I like to keep it in my center console because my daughter Eleanor loves to ride with me places and church on Sundays. And when we go somewhere and we're driving somewhere, she loves to ride with me. And every so often she'll ask me, hey dad, you got to, you got anything for me in there? And I want to say yes every single time. And I had this one little stuffed animal. It was this dumb little Thai beanie baby in my center console, and it was there for four months. For four months, she just didn't ask for it. She never asked if I had anything in there. And one day, she got in the car, and she said, Daddy, what do you have in your center console? And I said, I'm so glad you asked. I've just been waiting to give this to you. And I just think our father has just got all these gifts that he's just waiting. He's just, he's just waiting for you to ask because he loves to say yes. He loves to bless us. He loves to see the look on our faces when we step into his blessing. So let's just ask him. Let's just ask him more and more and let's believe that he wants to use us to change this city. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for who you are, that you are the good Father, that you are the one who sees the desires of our hearts. God, you put them there. You put dreams in our hearts. And Father, you just want to help walk us into a bigger life than the one we have prepared for ourselves. So God, give us the boldness to ask. Help us to approach you in the right posture, to worship you, to understand your heart and to ask you for more, to ask for blessing, to ask for influence, for your presence and for protection. You are so good. You are so compassionate and gracious, God. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your holiness, God. You are so holy. You are so far above us, and yet you stoop down to make us great. We just worship you and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen.